Hello there. Oh, I didn't see you there. Hey, gosh, thanks for joining us. Once again, this is the Grashlin Party with me, Grant Party, and my wife, Ashlyn Anstey Party. And hello, Ashlyn. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hey, we, we talk. We talk and see each other all the time, but not always are we recording our interactions. This time we are. Yeah, I mean that's true. Wasn't there an era where people would just like leave their webcams on all the time and just like broadcast it, Truman Show style? Sure. That's the next I, iteration of the pod. You think? Are you saying that that's not currently happening? <laughs> that, have you been online? That's the that's we should be cam girling, cam boy, oh cam girl. Oh my god, no. She oh was a cam God. girl. He was a cam boy. Can Why I does every podcast start with me being disappointed? Exhausted by me? Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, um, that's just our... How are you today, our... Grant? Whoa. Wow. Yeah, Unexpected you usually question. ask me how I am. So I thought today I'd ask you how you are today. Mm, I'm fine. I am uh, sitting in the cat garage in Mid-City in Los Angeles, California. It's Friday. We're recording at 3 o'clock, and I'm staring at uh, the feral cats, uh, Shadow and Zeus, who are being uh, a couple of chubby sleeping buddies laying in the Aww. driveway near the uh, the food that we leave out for the ferals and the water that we leave out for the ferals, and they're just sort of hanging out. It's a nice day. It smells nice outside. There's a good, hmm, Good, good smell to the air, but we're still in lockdown. We have not been vaccinated. We, we are not part of the vac scene of those who uh, have been blessed with the needle to get back out into life. So we're still um, locked up together, aren't we? Yeah, but I'm fine. I'm trying. You know what I'm you know where I'm really at is uh, I've been just blocked creatively and I have not been finding any joy in writing or doing much of anything. I kind of thought that doing this podcast would help bring me out of it. And spoiler alert, it's helped bring me out of my loneliness, despair of the void of like, Oh my God, I miss talking to people, but that hasn't yet translated to me being interested in my writing voice. Again, we have our project in development that we've talked a little bit about, but besides that, uh, it has been, it's been blood from a stone for me a little bit trying to find yeah. the joy. I feel like that's common in pandemic. I think most people I talk to are struggling with the feeling of just not really wanting to do it anything, you know. Yeah, that's I, the struggle. I don't want to do anything. I don't I I I do. Well, that's not true. I mean, I do. I do want to be doing things. Um, but I guess I don't want it enough because I'm not and so, you know, what happens is it just sort of compounds because then I feel like I'm constantly lying to myself and breaking promises to myself of like, all right, today we're going to get X amount done. And then I get zero or a little above zero done. And I'm just like, well, once again, you lied to yourself, you piece of shit. And you oh can't God. do anything, you son of a bitch. That's yeah. sort of a little taste of my inner monologue. Inner monologue. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel you. Today's an exciting day for us because you, you just you ordered a new printer after eight years of a broken printer and dealing with that. Now we've got a printer. Uh, just so you know, if you haven't listened to this show before, this this show is bore core. What does that mean? It means it's not interesting. It's interesting adjacent. Ashlyn and I are not. Look, if you're coming to us to be entertained and 
seeing like a show, well then baby, you're in the wrong place. If you're, if, in, you, if you're here to hear, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. But if you're here to hear somebody you like talk about, wow, it sure is nice having a new printer. I'll print some yeah. items later. Mm-hmm. Then you're here, you're here and you're going to be listening to to small things happen to normal people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever that means, whatever normal. Let's introduce our our guests. They've been waiting yeah, for let's, 45 yeah, minutes. 45 minutes. Yeah, sorry. Look, I also want to say that it's the bore core is not on the guests. The bore core is on the hosts. Where the hosts are boring, the guests are interesting. That's what makes yeah. it a show. So, okay. These folks with us today are new friends or they're friends that I've they're people I've been acquaintances with I suppose on Twitter uh they're both writers um they can kind of pitch themselves a little better than I can uh but uh let's see Claire Downs is a writer uh with uh, a script on the blacklist she's writing for Peacock and Dreamworks uh and her partner Brendan Gallagher is uh, also a writer, and what I like as well is is they're both activist types uh, involved with uh, the DSA and otherwise, and uh, they care, you know? They care about shit. They're not just doing this stuff for vanity's sake. At least that's my impression. And anyway, it's not not to bring up Clubhouse yet again, because I feel like, oh man, is this podcast going to age badly once it turns out that Clubhouse is actually like fun right yeah some sort right of right wing psyop yeah. yeah so once just like oat milk just like that oat milk brand what oat milk what are you talking about oh anyway anyway um welcome to the show claire and brendan thank you for being here thank you for having us um was i accurate you- in go ahead oh i was gonna ask so are you partners like we're, we're- ma- yeah yeah, like when We're someone, married. like, do you, in- yes, yes. But when someone, when you introduce, you say, this is my partner, Grant, or do you say this mm. is my husband? I usually say husband, but I really respect and like the term partner. So I, I have been trying to like use that as well, because it feels more equal, I guess. Uh, and I said I said partner for you and Brendan just because I wasn't totally sure if you guys are married or not. Are oh, you? We're married. We're married. married. I think we always do, um, you know, husband and wife. I feel like for me, I can't come in here and be like, we're more interesting than heteronormativity. That's why I'm like, well, we signed <laughs> yeah. up for the thing where I wore white. And mm-hmm. walk down an aisle. And so he is a husband, but he's a good husband. Like he yeah. can release the trappings of bad husbandry, you know? Hell yeah. Yeah, I, I, to echo that, I think it's uh, in my mind when I hear partner, I'm like, what do I not know? And that's fine. Uh, but there's no aura of mystery, I think, in our relationship, at least regarding, you know, traditional uh, husband wife dynamics. We're, I suppose, traditional husband-wife dynamics, although I don't know what that means really anymore because we, we've we recently both realized our, our queerness, Ashlyn and I, not yeah. that it has opened up the marriage or anything. We're not asking you guys to uh, come. This is, not, this is not a polyamory podcast at this point. It's not, I promise. It's just us 
being like, hey, what's what's up? What's going on? So I don't know. Let's start there. What's going on with uh, y'all today? How's how's it going? Well, so last night we, you know, pandemic, we really have like a thing where we get like cravings for things we haven't had in a while. And so we we got hot dogs because I was like, I want a hot dog like from a place that does a good job. So I reached out on Twitter, like, where is there a good hot dog? I'm from Chicago. That's important for this. Um, You know, hot dogs are tied to a lot. Yeah, we have hot dog baggage. Are you both from Chicago? Where did you? Uh, where did you? Did you guys meet in LA? How did? How did you guys meet? How did? Uh, how did you? How did Claire and Brendan come to be? I'll let Brendan answer that. <laughs> um, we met <laughs> at Los Globos nightclub here in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, I don't often go to nightclubs, but I was sort of new to LA and. In New York, I wasn't involved with UCB, but I was doing, you know, film and TV stuff that made it sort of adjacent. And there was a sort of UCB affiliated DJ set going on. And I was like, maybe I'll meet people there. And uh, we met there. But no, I am from a very small town in Pennsylvania. Uh, so Chicago is very from distant small- from what it, my childhood experience, for sure. I'm from a small town in Ohio. And you know... I, I, for a second, I got really excited because Ashlyn, do you remember? I used to run a live comedy show at Los Globos with uh, yeah. friends. And that nightclub that used to follow it was super funny. Scary? Yeah. It wasn't or scary. Just, it, it's just an interesting, like one of the things I like about LA is you're never quite sure like what you're going to get from each like bar. So Los Globos was like, here's a comedy show, but then also this one night we booked like a really intense clubby DJ and it's going to start immediately. Like you're going to go right from comedy to like bouncing. Yeah. Like, that's why it was scary to me. It's just, it suddenly became like a, a proper nightclub. And I was like, I, uh, I can't be here anymore. I got to skedaddle. We yeah. Scamper over well, to the that's so, here. that's so cool to be, well, if you guys met IRL, the old fashioned way, really like the, the non app way, you know, did you, were you, was there an asking to dance? Did you guys dance? Was it mostly conversation? What was that first meeting like? Yeah. So I was dancing with like kind of the only people I knew in LA. I had also just moved here from New York. We did not know each other in New York though. We had about 30 mutual friends in New York city. And there is a famous photograph of Brendan on the rooftop of an apartment building. I lived in while I was living there at an apartment like I was living there, but at an apartment party, but I wasn't in town on the day that the photo was taken because it was a 4th of July that oh. I wasn't there. Weird, right? Um, so yeah, so dancing. So I was dancing with like a bunch of women, you know, it was kind of like a girl's night and I was kind of doing more of like a a comedy girl doing dance. You know what I mean? Like I was being funny and like rapping, you know, like that kind of dance. And then Brendan came oh, up and he dances. was yeah like i'm commenting i'm commenting on the concept of dance meta dance (laughs) ashlyn dance that's great i love that because it prevents you from looking like an idiot or it's like i know i look foolish it's very invulnerable actually (laughs) yeah the guard the the guard is up while dancing because you don't want to look to I, I kind of do that too. Although I try to, I try to get past that. I try to push past that and just actually be in the moment of dancing. But 
sometimes dancing with Ashlyn is just like, Ashlyn, can you stop the bits and just no. dance? No. You can't stop. Them. No, no, You're no. Always doing the like, wouldn't it be silly if I did this? It's like, yeah, it would be silly, but yeah. So you anyway, were doing so then- that. You were doing meta dancing. I was doing meta dancing, and Brendan kind of came up, and he did politely ask me if he could dance with me, and I was kind of like, I'm gonna play my cards, like in the direction of that I don't want this to be happening, even though I did, because I was like, you know. You know, I think hard to get is kind of the move here with this super nice person so I can see if they're really bullshit, which is like kind of psycho, honestly. It's not (laughs) a dating technique I recommend. But um, so I was like, "Um, no, you can funny dance with me. I'm not doing real dancing with you. (laughs) And then he just proceeded to actually really dance with me in a nice, sweet way. Um, And then I like got we got each other's numbers and then I was like you know let's go to like a more quiet place so we can talk and dumb me thinking you know 9 p.m things are open nope LA is a weirdly early town and things closed so we walked across we walked up up sunset into um black cat and we sat down and the bartender handed us two waters and said I just called last call (laughs) So at nine o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. Then I made Brendan walk me home. I really don't come off well in this. Book. <laughs> it was very cute. Like I, I, Brendan, I was like, you can walk me home. Not realizing truly how far I was from my apartment at that point. I was still like two miles from my house. Um, we did walk home and you know, the rest is history. I, you know, at that wow. point, playing hard to get didn't really, yeah, that stopped. So yeah, I like that you played hard to get, but you also were like, walk the Shia with me. <laughs> to my home two miles yeah. away. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> that's, like, really, you know. Well, On it's awesome. For- of bits, I was just going to say that, um, you know, coming out to L.A., I really discovered that I'm more of a drama writer than a comedy writer because uh, the bitness of, like, UCB and sort of surrounding areas was always, like, a bit much for me. Uh, not that I don't feel like I have a good sense of humor, but I think you guys just made the point that's a good one where, like, bits kind of become what happens when people don't want to have like honest conversation, you know? And I guess that can be kind of jarring for people sometimes. I, well, Brendan, I, we, we were, we have not really interacted before, but now I feel like I, I have great affection for you because you come off really good in Claire's story. And I agree with that point. What, uh, so what do you write? You're a TV writer and screenwriter per your, uh, uh, Twitter bio. Twitter bio. Yeah. For your Twitter um, bio. Yeah. I, I, so I am currently a writer on the show Warrior Nun on Netflix, which is about what it sounds like. It's a young women who like kick ass and are part of an order of nuns. Um, <laughs> uh, that awesome. wasn't sort of my natural pose. Um, I got out here and kind of realized that drama was more my bag than comedy as far as TV is concerned. Like, I feel like I know structure sort of preternaturally and i started setting my mind towards that and i worked as an assistant on a ton of shows uh sort of female driven melodramas so revenge a canceled medical show called heartbeat famous in love with bella thorne who's gone on to kind of fame infamy since Mm. then and uh the bold type which was sort of sex in the city junior where the girls work at cosmo magazine uh all just kind of by chance i fell into that realm that's not really what i write either uh, and then I found my way on to Warrior Nun, where I was an assistant. And finally, 
I got staffed. I don't probably a lot of people know how that works listening to this, but a uh, big part of TV writing is you sort of one way to break in is just be an assistant until you get promoted somewhere. And that sort of and finally happened you, for me last year. How do you get, I mean, I feel like I've been trying to break into the assistant world for years and years. And how do you, how do you go about finding assistant job? How did it happen for you rather? Gosh, if I knew the answer, like for everyone, I would be able to help Claire with that because she's had a totally different path, which she can talk about later. But, you know, I got my first assistant job the way almost everyone does. I knew someone. Um, I went to a state school for college, University of Pittsburgh, and one of my classmates who I had done theater with, uh, I got out here and she was a post-production supervisor on Revenge. And so she got me the post-PA job, which then I could, you know, do the things that you do to get, you know, the next gig, meaning like come in an hour early and, you know, stay late and try to chat with the writers and the assistants and try to like pick their brains and kind of demonstrate that where you really want to be is in the writer's room. And then you just keep doing that with whatever network you have. But um, I don't have like the answer for that first job because, you know, these assistant jobs are never on uh, Craigslist or Monster or something. You know, it's sort of like, every story I've heard is some crazy happenstance or the person was like wildly connected, which I wasn't, you know, so sort of just like get something tangentially close to a writer's room. And it just so happened that on that show, the editors and the writers worked in the same building, which is not always true. And that was just sort of the lucky break that allowed me to make those connections and get into that world. That's awesome. And that's, I mean, yeah, that is kind of like the more, I guess the most like sort of traditional path there. And that's, uh, that's great. I'm glad that it, uh, I'm glad you got the, the promotion up to, to writer. And now you're, yeah, congrats. now that's you're doing it. Congrats. Warrior nun, warrior nun. Where's warrior the air nun horn? So good. Oh my God. That air <laughs> horn is for doing it. Claire, what about your path? Uh, do you want to, and I, I can, we can share ours too, I suppose. So you don't feel so alone and on and, the spot. And yeah. Here on the spot. Yeah. But just curious. Yeah, I mean, it's like a, it's totally a different path, but it's also like, I feel like being in a relationship with someone who, you know, who also does show business is, uh, by the way, I'm trying to say show business more and not the industry because it yeah. is show business. It's not an industry. Yeah. We don't work in a fucking factory making hand sanitizer. Okay. It's show business and that's, and that's it, all it'll it, ever be. If we were working in a factory, there would be more job security. Maybe. Right. Maybe. And it in this industry implies like industriousness. And actually, like, we are not an essential business, despite what like, you know, the film LA permit board believes. Um, you know, we do, we're not industrious. We make entertainment. And I think it should be kept that way. Um, we don't, we don't, we tell stories, but I, I think the importance of the story is, you know, a sliding scale. Some of us, some of us are writing on things that may not be super important, which brings me to my path, which is, um, I, you know, I, I start, I was on a UCB team as a writer, like right when I graduated, I was one of the, on a mod team, uh, in New York. And I was one of the only women also like around that time, which is really strange. Um, Stephanie Streisand was one of the people I actually looked up to, even though she's like only a year older than me. Um, but it was Stephanie us. Was it was just like on us. The pod, uh, a little, yeah, little while I ago. Saw. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. And so like, it was like us and like three other women. And some of those women were also improvisers, which I wasn't um, because I didn't really have the money to take improv classes. At the time you could take two sketch classes, then apply to be on a sketch team for improv. You needed like six like levels. And I just was like, well, you know, I don't really have this kind of money. So I'm not paying to perform, which is what it sounded like. And I was right. You know, it was paying to perform. Um, and so I got on mod. It was a blind packet. It was really fun for five years and two, actually three sketch teams. I also, one was a weekend team. You know, I wrote a bunch of sketches every week and it really gave me the discipline that I needed. And also ripping that bandaid off of showing people like, here is my worst, uh, sketch I've ever written. Here's, let me have be forced to show it to like six people who are funnier than me and and older than me because everyone was like in their thirties. And I was like, let me show it to this, these older people who are funny and, and are in commercials and have them judge me. And while it was kind of cringy and painful sometimes, like I honestly think it was like, I never have that fear again of showing people a first draft or something that I'm not ready to, because like I was judged by people that ended up being like, you know, writing on these shows, like search party and like, I, I guess SNL, if we think, you know, I don't know, but like these things that are, are good things. And yeah. Anyway, search party so, in particular, that's cool. Yes. Uh, more search party. But, um, so at UCB, uh, there were these emails that were like job e- emails and they were always like sus. And one was like, come pitch Nickelodeon ideas. Um, and I was the only person who responded out of 600 people. Um, and yeah, I know because everyone thought it was like a scam because it, it was a weirdly written email. It looked fake. And I ended up pitching a TV show to Nick. Um, and then I sold that pilot in the room. Um, I was very ill prepared. I was 24 and I was living with a very bad boyfriend and, um, that kind of made me be like, wait, there's more to life than doing comedy in a basement that no one sees. Um, and you're not credited for because you're not credited for the sketches at UCB. I was I my sketches were used in people's SNL auditions and I was wow. never asked to be to, to be a writer on SNL or anything. So um, then out in L.A., you know, I've done a lot of development like development is, you know. Often unpaid. Um thinking up show ideas for not working in development, but I've had projects in development with um, Adult Swim, Stupid Buddy, and some of these comedy things. And then about a year and a half ago, I kind of pivoted to trying for some dramedy jobs, which is how I ended up, because I don't understand what the state of television comedy is right now for millennial writers. Yeah. Um, I I don't like multicams, you know? were you, did you say that the development that you did for those companies was unpaid? Uh, or yeah, or mod- modestly, extremely modestly paid. Mm. Yeah, they like. I feel like development is always like they'll pay you. It seems like you're like, oh, this is like a nice chunk of money. But then when you think about the amount of time it takes, it becomes yeah, pretty. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah whatever we've been paid for our development thing is not really added up to the. It's probably below or at minimum wage if you add up all the hours. Yeah. And I've kind of built this weirdly like not weird non-union, which I'm sure Ashlyn 
And Grant, you guys <laughs> understand with Comedy Lake, so much of comedy, the pipeline of comedy is non-union. So like Stupid Buddy is a non-union signatory. Um, uh, Adult Swim gets away with most of its stuff being right. non-union. Um, Nickelodeon as well, right Right. Right now I'm on a, a kid's show that's going to be also I don't really want to work in kids TV, but you know, this is the job I took. Um and it's kind of fun. It's a kids mystery show that's gonna be airing on Peacock, um, and may air that's produced by DreamWorks. Um it's live action, but um yeah, it's non-union. It sounds great, right? Like you're thinking like to watch Peacock, you're gonna get ads from Capital One and uh Citibank. But my paycheck is not reflective of that ad, um, you know, content. And I'm I'm happy for the work and I enjoy the project, but that's the reality. And the people there know that. They they're they are straight up with you. They're like, this isn't very low paid. Um, so yeah. That's, that's frustrating. That's, yeah. Also, you can tell Ashlyn how even just talking to Claire for a few minutes why I, I was like, Claire, you guys have got to do the pod. Claire, you've just got like a an on, a refreshing like honesty and effervescence that's just uh very i don't know it's just like i can yeah. listen to you talk for hours i feel like um it is i was gonna say going back to the thing of like what is comedy right now i do think it is sort of weird how co- like comedy i think as far as like how, how streaming services work hasn't really like broken out yet you know like i don't think i don't think streaming services have found a, a good way to do comedy the same way that they have with drama. Um, and maybe yeah. I'm speaking out of well, my, my butt. No, I mean, a it's, bit, it's but... like but the best comedies are I, to my mind are things like search party that kind of are like this, like hybrid of mystery and comedy. And they're, they're, they've got a lot of like dramedy elements to it as opposed to just right. being like all like set up punchline. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, now I'm kind of thinking like that. I'm, I'm sorry, Brendan. I, well, to set you up, actually, is I is, is like I'm thinking, you know, maybe I, I was talking at the beginning of like, I don't even know what I want to be writing. Maybe I should be maybe I should be thinking of pivoting toward drama stuff because that does seem more appealing and like a brighter future. Sorry. Well, to I will say. Try it. Try it. Yeah. Like, could I just say, like, I would try it because like for a little bit, Picasso did pottery and no one got upset. So, you know, <laughs> you're allowed to try a different medium within your art form if you think it will help you. And I also think it's ultimately going to be a grant party written project. So it will still have you in it no matter the form. And like if Atlanta can have episodes that are an hour and search party can be mostly very dramatic and be about murder and be half an hour, then it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. It's how you, it's how you sell what you're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. And just to add to that, I I feel like, um, comedy is in a weird place partially because the, the most critically acclaimed comedies of the last few years have sort of been dramatic in structure. Like everything has followed that Louis Atlanta kind of vibe, like even down through Fleabag and what's on now. And I have to say that uh, Pen15 and What We Do in the Shadows were so refreshing because they were actually sitcom structure. And even though I don't write sitcom, it's nice to see that done smartly and well and not just like relegated to CBS multicams. And I hope that that leads to kind of a resurgence of what comedy is because I think 
short dramas are fine with some humorous elements are fine. It's just not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Pen 15 and what we do in the shadows are both like laugh out loud, funny. Uh, Also like, I felt like I say this to Brendan all the time, but like, so, you know, when I was really getting into TV writing, right when I was at UCB, like the big cool things on television were community and, uh, 30 rock and to some degree parks and rec, although I'm, I'm less of a, um, that person. But so I really thought like those three things would birth the next gen of things on network TV. And instead I found that network TV has really gone backwards to like, either it's a multicam centered around one actor or one comedian or like these kind of boomerific things that you see them playing at Planned Parenthood, like, you know, that you're two and a half men type of things. Like I found, you know, I thought the Mick was getting closer, but like, and then there's like on the flip side, like it's like all the, the cable um, comedies don't, didn't never trickle down to network. So like, I love baskets. I love vice principles. I love gemstones, righteous gemstones. And none of those projects that aren't like of the Louis Atlanta master of none family, none of those type of projects have trickled down to network either making them these niche things. So it's like, it's kind of weird. Like I, I think most comedy people like the things that I'm talking about versus like your broad, I'm sorry, Broad City is great. I meant to say uh, Two Broke Girls, mm-hmm. you know? But I, love then the, the I, love to, watching, I love turning those as like the, as Planned Parenthood shows, the shows that are playing on the TV and Planned Parenthood. Always. Just like, I also just like the term boomerific. That's, I want a big shirt. I want a big hoodie that says boomerific. Yeah. That's, you guys need to be hosting your own married couple pod for 100% sure. Maybe you already do. No, I don't think you do. Uh, but you should. Because Claire we, and Brendan, have we got, have no podcast. You guys should just take over this show. We're gonna do you give want you. The, it, do you want the show? It's it's yours free. if you want it. We'll pay you. We'll pay <laughs> you. you. Being a podcast guest is the best thing. It's sort of like always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Like you don't have to plan the wedding. You don't have to worry about who comes. You just put on your best outfit. You show up for an <laughs> hour. Everyone thinks you're great, and then you get to go home. Uh, you know, yeah, that's true. So, this is, I mean, here, I'm going to swerve this conversation. Swerve I have it, baby. three Zoom weddings to go to in the span of a month. Like, yeah. Yeah. what? Wait, does that three, mean I have three, three Zoom weddings to go let, to? Let's get into this. Yeah. So am so, I invited to these? I, I know yes, of two. You are. Well, oh, uh, I just remembered the third. I just remembered the yeah. third. It's so, Ed, I love Jim, this. And Amalia. Liv, or wait, Oma, Amalia, Jim. And Ed and Liz. So, right? so yeah. And I actually would not be surprised if we have another one because I'm supposed to maybe have one in September in real life, but it's starting to get a little, you know. Nah, come on. I, I have to get there by September. Come on. I know, but I don't know if Canada will reopen their borders by then. That's the real issue. Yeah. Um, anyway. But yeah, so ahead. we have three Zoom weddings in a short span of time. And I think it's, it sucks because like, that's the fun of going to a wedding is like, you get to be a fancy person, but you don't have to do any work. I mean, and also like you're celebrating your friend's love and stuff, but like, I don't know. I'm so curious how this like Zoom wedding 
vibe is going to feel. Yeah. Um, I what's interesting to me about this is that they're really cusping like the people who plan these weddings and everyone has their reasons, right? But like they were like instead of waiting 6 to 12 more months for an in-person now that there's a vaccine, they were like we're going to go full on with sort of a mid-core Zoom wedding and like everyone has their <laughs> reasons, but like they definitely could have waited like a little bit. I don't know what the situation is. But then the other funny thing to me that I'm hearing here is, is it uncouth or untoured to be a plus one at a Zoom wedding that doesn't show up? <laughs> like if Grant just slept through it, would, yeah. would you get like an angry, angry messages? <laughs> so yeah. at one of these weddings, I'm a Zoom bridesmaid. Um <laughs> Always a Zoom bridesmaid, never the real bridesmaid. Never the real Zoom bride, um, which is, I, I mean, it's very sweet. So we're, I'm like preparing a video message um, for the wedding. Like, like a pre-recording? Yeah, I'm gonna, we're going to pre-record it. Like it's all pre-recorded, these Zoom bridesmaids tasks. Um, it's like an SNL digital short. Yeah, it's an <laughs> SNL digital short. Um, it's a digital short. The digital shorts are always better, though. So, yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, this is strange. But like, you know, I mean, I guess I'm I'm still really excited to be there. I would have. Uh, I wouldn't have minded doing a Zoom wedding. I think our our. It was such a stressful time going up to our wedding. That what was your wedding like? When did you guys get uh, married? Brendan and Claire. Brendan, do you want to answer this? I feel like you, Brendan, where did you go? Oh, I'm here. I just talked. I, want to, I mean, in my opinion, generally, when someone's like, how was your wedding? I feel like, you know, the, the bride is the main character in the wedding. Ooh. And that's no, yeah. but that's how they're treated by all the vendors and everyone. Yeah. The pressure yep. is on the bride. And I did my best to be like a 50 50 partner in it but i mean literally if they call someone it's going to be claire if someone's name's on the contract it's going to be claire the contract will say that was the worst the bride and they will sort of like simultaneously infantilize and uh like kind of look down DFI. on the bride as like being bossy and as the groom your job is kind of just do your best to like disrupt that yeah, that was the weirdest part. So we had a we had a wedding. Um, you know, we kind of sort of floated the concept of a, you know, a millennial elopement, meaning a planned elopement with like 30 people. We've we floated that concept to my parents and they kind of were like, absolutely not. Um <laughs> like that would to a boomer, that's like it, it would be like, you know, telling them to throw out regular dairy. Like it just, and get, be oat milk people. Like they just don't get on board with that concept. So my mom almost cried when I told her that. So I, uh, we had a nice, uh, you know, wedding. It was beautiful. You know, my parents paid for it. Um, that, you know, helped take a lot of stress off. But then the other thing was just like, I, I really did feel like I was on the hook, like signing documents where the contract line says bride is fucking crazy. Like it doesn't say director when you sign something for a film, it says like 
person one. Like it doesn't, it's just weird to, to say like bride as the, as the person who, cause I would be the one who they take to court if I did something wrong in those documents, like for the venue, wow. like if it's like, if you kick a hole in the wall, whatever. Uh, we got married at the, at the Ebel on Wilshire in mid city. Also maybe a little bit near you guys. You said you're in mid city. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's a great place. It was a nice wedding. It was a really nice, and you know, they're a, a, a film location. So they were all inclusive. So like the contract included the food, which was really important to me to just one thing. Yeah. Just to add to that, I think, um, you know, it was the best day of my life and everyone says that after it's done and it is really true. I loved getting married. I treasure that day, but you know, leading up to the wedding, it really is a part-time job you do not get paid for and do not have time for. And you just have to keep the date on the horizon driving you towards it as you deal with all the bullshit that you need to do to make it as good as it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I definitely like, I, I, uh, so yeah, we had a grant, uh, grant's father, passed away prior to our wedding so it was a very like stressful emotional time um and i think that sometimes with weddings there's also a feeling of like parents it's almost for the parents as well like i don't know if you guys felt like that with your parents yes involved is it like you're putting on like a play i mean my biggest sort of fight with my mom was that there was no way we were going to be able to get married in a church because of how the venues like are set up uh, in LA. Like it was just going to be too much money to like shift locations. Um, That's the whole, that's a money suck is any moving. Like that's why we did ours in one, like one place. And it was almost like, like mom, like I'm not religious either. Like what, where is this church? coming from in a way um but we but, had a we ended up having yeah. a great ceremony it was it was yeah. definitely like a stressful time because the planning and my dad's health were like it was there were two story arcs going on at the at the same time and uh and and it was yeah. definitely stressful for that and and ashlyn as the super bride was able to like really manifest the whole thing out of like sheer willpower with uh like me being borderline catatonic until the day of, uh, and then just showing up and trying to do my best. Had some good vows, wrote some good vows. Yeah. We brought the house down with those vows and, uh, and we did it in Eagle Rock. We had ours at, uh, the uh, women's 20th century club. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. So kind of a similar, yeah, it's very similar. The evil is also like a women's suffragette kind of era thing. Oh, I Wait, love is suffrage it, yeah. a word? I, I heard myself say it and I'm like, suffrage, just suffrage. Yeah. Why am I adding No, that? suffragette's a word. Is it really? Yeah, that's the word. Haven't you ever want... seen Mary Poppins? They want suffrage. That's what yeah. the suffragette is. Oh, okay. All right, fine. I thought I was maybe like diminutizing the word of like, by like, oh, la- lady suffrage. <laughs> uh, so I mean, it, it is. Has... it is kind of... It is that, but it is also a word. As writers, did we all feel like there was like pressure for the vows to be fucking good? Yes, definitely. I, yeah. I felt like uh, there was a need to um, entertain. 
yeah, they were entertaining, but heartfelt. I, I feel like we, we walked that tightrope pretty well with ours. Yeah. We did like a monologue. We did like a, so we did like a weird thing where we did our vows and they were very, you know, serious and, and genuine. And then when we did the, like, instead of doing like where the DJ is like, now the bridesmaid, now this other bridesmaid, you know, that's like the thing, the announcements of people walking (laughs) into the dinner. We thought that was weird. So instead of doing that, we did like a sort of, uh, Oscar's opening monologue to thank everyone for coming. So we took turns and we introduced each other and it was like, you know, less than 10 minutes. And it was like a little like, you know, jokey, jokey kind of thing to just thank people. Cause it's weird to, we were like, at no point do you thank every, you don't get on the mic and think, and they were like, that's not really done. And I was like, yeah, but I want to like blanket thank everyone in case I don't get to see. It's very comedy MC, I think. We did that too. <laughs> we, or not, we didn't quite script it out, but that 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 was how it sort of worked for ours, wasn't it, Ashley? Because, like- well, we had a lot of people, a fair amount of people traveling. Um, mm-hmm. So we had to kind of hop on and be like, thank you for coming to America. Um, cause I, I'm from, I'm from Canada, well. so it's, it's, I had a lot of, um, adorable lost Canadians trapped at the wedding being like LA traffic. It's real. Um, very, I cute. didn't end up, I didn't end up dancing nearly as much as I thought I was going to at our wedding because I ended up sort of just like chatting with people most of the time. Were you guys I able feel, to, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I don't remember a lot of the wedding (laughs) so it's gone from my mind uh yeah i wish i I kind of wish we had videotaped it you know what i mean like because i we have the photos and the photos are able to like bring my memory back and and place myself in that moment but we didn't have like a videographer to like capture the whole thing yeah we didn't do videographer either because i'm sure you all remember like videographer is astoundingly expensive it is like especially in LA where it's very competitive. You'd think it'd be less competitive because there's lots of people here, but it is like astounding. Like these packages were like, some of them were double the cost of a photographer, but it's like, you know, I don't know. Then I was like, yeah, but I don't know that I'll ever want to watch that. Like I might be cringing. Like I'd rather get photos and just be like, have my memories and iPhone photos from friends, but like, and videos from friends, but like, the some of the wedding video thing was like they're producing essentially a short film about you <laughs> like yeah a lot of drone they... shots available uh from these <laughs> videographers uh th- this is like uh, there's so many la specific things uh and and ashland brought up to canada like what you like thanking people for coming and also what you have to tell them like one thing that i recommend for anyone who gets married in la in the future is uh put on the invite somewhere you cannot get back from Disneyland to the venue. You cannot get from the beach to the venue in a reasonable amount of time because it just like reinforces like on like, the day, like you should just be at wow. the hotel and that's it because you like any other city in the country uh, is going to be easier to navigate driving than Los Angeles. And just like reminding people that was like a good call. we made. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah. We, um, I, we had to feel a fair amount of those questions of like, yeah, if you're going to do beach and Disneyland stuff, 
you want to take care of that the weekend before or something, which is what uh, my brother and his family did. So here's my videographer pitch, though. Sharks. Shark Tank. This is also a Shark Tank podcast. Um, So it's a videographer who videos your wedding, but he turns it into like a murder show, like or like a murder mystery. And so like it's really intense. Like all the drone shots are like really dramatic and there's like intense music and like they have to set up a story thread. Like it's like really like that's it's like an hour long drama and may i guess maybe like they pick somebody to like fake die like a murder mystery party and you then, just have this so fantasy that keeps coming back of me murdering you and i promise <laughs> i'm not gonna murder you it's not gonna happen ashlyn as much as you want it as much as you keep sort of like putting oh these, my god these yeah. out there you're not gonna get murdered by me it's just i'm just not gonna do it i'm sorry that's just not i didn't sign up for it but it's like a dateline like the dateline videographer package where it's like in a sleepy town that guy ashlyn loves murder shows you guys into i i can't do the murder shows i don't do really want to talk about it. cecil do we want to talk about cecil hotel oh if, if, <laughs> actually i was gonna nah. say uh so i'll explain why uh so i went to high school with her Oh, like I'm her, so sorry. I worked with her sister in summer, in like different summer programs. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned that though, because I'm like, oh, it's uh, that's like the it's it, the first time since it happened that I'm like, oh, this is part of like the zeitgeist now, which is so strange. Um, yeah, because you watch I mean, it, I, you watch this stuff and consume so much of it, Ashlyn, and then that's one where you have a personal connection and and. Uh, that that's got to make you like, I I'm surprised it doesn't make you uh, rethink my viewing habits. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've talked to friends about it because they're like, should we feel bad about watching it? And I'm like, no, well, and Claire, I like you can, I mean, the documentary I think actually does a good job of like explaining more about what really happened um, with it. But yeah. Yeah. I think um, so for those people listening who may not know the the Cecil Hotel um yes. documentary I guess it's more of like a true crime show honestly uh or the incident is about you know uh this girl stayed at the this hotel the Cecil Hotel is a very creepy downtown hotel like many downtown hotels are kind of low rent and run down and unable to live oh, in yeah. their very old buildings and um, there, there was a famous internet video that that got posted of this girl who she went missing. She never left the hotel at any point, but the only clue at one point they had was this vi- very, very scary video of her acting very strange in an elevator by herself. Um, I was like ad- semi addicted to this video back when it came out. I was like on Reddit. I was like. You know, I wasn't like a poster on Reddit, but I I would watch it and have nightmares about it. Um, And it was like so scary. And I never really followed up on it because I was like, this is too scary to even be like one of those people that is like investigating it. But it's a very scary video if you watch it out of context. And then I thought the- It sticks in your mind. Yeah. It's it's, It's like the ring. Yeah. It's not surprising that that has become such an area of curiosity and interest because the video is- horrifying she's acting yeah, very strange and- it's, it's very very scary 
it's very scary and and what ends up happening to her is very sad and very scary and uh I am pretty satisfied with kind of how the documentary like summed it up. I mean, a few years ago on Reddit on Solved Mysteries, which is a subreddit, someone posted their um detailed like really long detailed description of what they thought happened and it's it's pretty close to this and it's like it's very explainable. And that's like the kind of interesting thing about crime is sometimes scary things happen, but the thing, the reason that they happen is just really mundane and isn't like a exciting story. Like, you know, things can happen to people that are very mundane and they die. And then the mystique around them creates this like, Oh, she's possessed by demons, you know, kind of mythology. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I also frequent that subreddit. Um, it is a good one. Uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, I think if the video, well, I mean, there's multiple facets to why it became so kind of ingrained in internet lore. Um, because when you actually like hear the explanation, it's like, so to me, so obvious, like it's so, um, like it's all, it's always, it's all there. Um, and I think that that's like the danger, not the danger of like the internet, but it's like these like videos can get passed around without context. Um, and so like people still are like, but what if it isn't? It's like, oh no, but like it, it just is like, that's what happened. And like, there's nothing more than this video. And like the fact that like the human mind is really fragile. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, yeah, I could speak for another hour on like, I have, I've <laughs> talked to a few friends since actually since the documentary came out about how like weird it is, um, to be sort of like, to have gone through that trauma of like, cause when, you know, when she went missing, like I was one of the only people in LA so you know I had like high school friends texting me like oh you should you know if you can look for her like go and do that um and so it's yeah it's like weird to have that trauma like uh kind of like have gone through to see it keep like like it's always going to be there it's always going to like kind of be lingering around the city um yeah and and wow yeah. But it was, uh, I mean, I went to therapy for the first time after that and I've been in therapy ever since. And that's, uh, you know, interesting side effect from it. Um, so yeah. I didn't realize that that was the, that was what kickstarted therapy. But... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think it's just a different, I think it's such a different thing, but actually more people than you think, I think have situations similar to that, like the older I get, the more I meet people who are, who are, who have also like kind of gone through something where somebody they know has been murdered or there's been, you know, something traumatic like that. And, um, and so it, it definitely feels, uh, it feels, I mean, humans just have a fascination with, with murder. Like, I don't think it's, un, I don't think it's weird to want to read about it or like try to understand it. Um, and that, and 
though I do, I think now have a tendency to sort of like prefer older cases or cases where there's less like, uh, like if, if it's been solved, then I, or it's like, it's kind of been laid to rest, like to not want to like, just discuss or linger on it. Um, yeah. yeah. yeah I a, mean, I think like, to talk. To yeah, talk, yeah, I mean, I also think like one of the other things about this whole idea is like, you know, I've gone through stuff too. And it's like, the kind of idea that like crime and horrific traumatic things are extremely common and happen to people every day. Yeah. Like I had something happen to me. Um, I'll just quickly share. I was um, driving on Hollywood Boulevard near Bronson uh, in rush hour traffic. I honked my horn at a guy. I was in my car. I was driving. Um, he was driving. He pulled out uh, a, a painted semi-automatic BB gun but painted to look like a real BB gun. And he shot through my windshield. Oh, um, shit. And mm-hmm, he thought shot through my windshield about six times. A couple of the bullets, which were metal bullets went through. Um, and uh, yeah, it was very, very traumatic uh, because I was driving. He sped off. Um, and then, you know, the sort of attitude of the cops is like, you know, another day, you know, this is common. And it's like, For someone, I am, you know, privileged. I don't experience this kind of violence. I don't experience gun violence in my daily life. And it was, it was an awake, an awakening that this is common. And that's why I think like, and just to bring this to a weird place, but like the, the citizen app is like, what else? It's, it's a weird thing to say, but like we live in a city and like shit happens. It's really scary and horrible. And like, I don't want to know about it on a push alert on my phone. And the things that are really scary, we might probably not get to know about them on a push alert on a phone. You know, there are really scary, sad things happening that don't end up on the Citizen app and we won't find out for 10 years, you know. Um, and this is like super dark. Sorry, guys. No, <laughs> oh, yeah. Just the way that the conversation went, we're, gonna, we're ending on a horror note. We have now reached the legal limit of podcast length. So we got to wrap it up on the horror note. But uh well, I have two final questions for Claire and Brendan. And my first question is, uh, do you feel better or worse for having spent some time with us today for an hour? And be honest. I feel better. I mean, I uh, first of all, you guys are great. But secondly, I love being on podcasts. And I think, you know, especially during pandemic, I've loved being on podcasts because I treasure uh, human interaction that's not on Twitter. Not that I don't love Twitter. I am one of the people that does, but it's just so much better to, you know, actually have a dialogue instead of sort of reply, dunk, reply, you know? Mm-hmm. It's nice to hear your voice. It's nice to put a voice to the uh, the the avatar. So I'd love for if you guys came back because that's really the purpose of the pod is to just uh, to connect. Claire, do you feel better or worse? Better. This has been so fun. Like, I really think like we took some interesting twists and turns and like, I don't know. I I also think it's, it's good like to talk about the impact of true crime on regular people. I think that's interesting. I know that's like a weird dark note that we ended on, but I also think that like um, it's, it's, it's part of, you know, as content continues to make 37% of things on Netflix are originals now and, and it's only growing. 
And so it's like how many of our childhood, you know, hometown stories will be turned into true crime is something that's interesting. I I think it's possible. And yeah, yeah, you guys are so cool. I also didn't know Ashlyn before and now I do a little we're better. Friends. Yeah. I think we're officially friends now. I think we we have crossed over from several platforms and now in Zencaster we have solidified a real friendship when there's uh the chance to be in in breathing the same air again we should eat food or go karaoke or go meta dancing or something Uh, we could dance at the storm yeah my final question is for your approval or your consent so we're not going to edit this podcast at all you're more than encouraged to say no this was just a nice conversation otherwise do we have your permission to release this unedited as is claire and brendan and ashlyn i give a yes Okay, yeah, that's yes, yes. For yes for me. God yeah, you know, I, I think a lot <laughs> about this sort of thing because there's this perception on Twitter, uh, especially like, because, you know, Neera Tandon, who would have been uh, the budget manager uh, for Biden, you know, torpedoed her nomination through her activity on Twitter. And there's been this like resurgence of the industry thing where it's like, oh, you know, you say one thing. And you'll never work in this town again. Not that we said anything too spicy, but I've taken on the tack that, uh, you know, if you don't like actively antagonize people, I think for the most part, putting stuff out in the world is a good thing. I think so too. Man, I need to, you guys got to come back and I need to make more space for Brendan to share his thoughts and opinions because he's just been dropping gems left and right. Oh, that's really good. You know, I'm not a true true crime guy. And, uh, you know, I think, if we had more time to get into that, I would, I would dare speculate, you know, Ashlyn and Claire kind of talked about how it resonates with them because of maybe traumas or challenges or even just like male activity they've experienced. And I think like as a dude that hasn't had much trauma in my life, it may be why I don't like jive with true crime, but that's for, uh, that's for another podcast, another time. That's for another pod and another time. I, we also could have easily spent an hour talking about minimum wage and politics and stuff and and we'll do it again i mean you guys are you guys are great so this has been uh really easy this hour flew by and 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 that's it though this is the pod so for out of respect for the listener this is the pod uh this is the end of the pod now and uh you know what thank you for listening and to remind because i think i didn't say it up top the songs are provided by the band talk time from their year of self ep and that'll be playing us out this podcast is produced by the eight cats Milo Moose, Seuss, Prince, Nala, Squeaky Mama, Shadow, and Peanut Butter. This has been a Grashland party. Claire Downs, Brandon Gallagher. Follow them on Twitter. Links are in the description. Ciao, meows. Ciao, meows. Bye.